0: Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast inspired by the Puritan Practice of Godly Conference, or Spiritual Conversations Among Believers. These spiritual conversations offer practical spiritual help for Christian living. Welcome to Ordinary Fellowship, I'm Jeremy Lee and with me is Matthew McLaughlin. Hey Jeremy. Are you ready to rock? Sure, (laughs) I'm ready for the snow to go away, but... Yeah, it is April the
1: 18th. When we record this, and it looks like it's February the 12th.
0: Yes, it does indeed. doesn't feel quite that cold, but... True. It it looks like February outside. Uh, I've decided that it's always going to be winter and never Christmas. So, the witch has taken over. It sure does seem like it today. The witch of Narnia, that is. Anyway, despite the dreary... And cold and snowy weather, uh, we're here to discuss important topics together and hopefully give some insight about the Christian faith and help you to live more faithfully for Christ. Uh, that's what we're all about at ordinary fellowship and uh, if you enjoy our podcast, uh, we encourage you to like or and or rate our podcast on the podcast service you listen to us on. And, uh, share us with friends so we can corrupt their minds as well. <laughs> well, Matthew's doing the corrupting. I, yeah. I am, uh, pure, pure as the, the wind driven snow. snow. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it's really pure. So that's, I'm not really pure,
1: but I understand.
0: Anyways, enough of the shenanigans. Let's talk about a serious issue. All right. I've gotten this question many times from many people. Why are there so many denominations? Uh, most of the time it's Christians who are confused and trying to sort out the truth. I think it's because of the spirit of the age that there's an apprehension about denominations Now the Bible has some things to say about it too and so I, that plays a part as well but it, even if the Bible didn't say anything there'd be some this is a the age we live in is anti-doctrinal, anti-institutional. And and there's some reason why that's the case. We're not going to delve into that. But so some people are just searching for truth. Some people use it as a reason to say why I shouldn't be a Christian. A Roman Catholic friend says, see, well, this is why you need a pope. It's important to ta- discuss denominations and why they're here. And so Matthew's going to enlighten us on all the reasons why there's denominations. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So let me read a passage from Scripture to show where people are coming from, where there's an obvious reason to object to denominations. It's all over the letter of 1 Corinthians, but in the very first chapter, Paul says, beginning at verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? It goes on further to we'll probably look at some other passages First Corinthians later. So it's obvious that there's a problem. The church shouldn't idealistically be divided and the church is divided and there's no denying the division that's going on. What are we to make of these denominations? And I think the way we have to think about this is that there's three kind three reasons really for denominations, okay? The first one, I don't think there's necessarily sin involved in this, okay? When the Reformation happened, we're gonna assume, for the sake of argument, the Reformation was a good thing, okay? When the Reformation happened, the Reformation happened in countries. So it wasn't, it, it wasn't like it seems like there's just Reformation everywhere. There was a Swiss Refo- Reformation, a German Reformation an English Re- Reformation, a Dutch Reformation. So the Reformation happened in these countries and what happened is in each of these countries there was a they ended up having a state church which Matthew and I both think is wrong. but when America was discovered well, America was discovered before the Reformation, but when people started going to America, they brought the traditions, And the creeds and confessions from their particular ethnic denomination. Okay. There wasn't a state church in America. So that wasn't an issue once we got, once they got to America, but they wanted to keep their traditions. And one of the examples of this, these groups are the Presbyterians who are descended from the English Reformation and then the Dutch Reformed churches. The Christian Reformed churches in America are, are the Dutch Reformed churches. There's really not a lot of even doctrinal differences between these groups. They have different traditions. That's basically where, it, where it comes down to. So there's not really animosity or anything like that. They have their traditions. There's the Dutch Reform. There's the Presbyterians. I don't know that you could really say that that's sinful in and of itself. So those aren't the kind of denominations that we really want to talk about, because I don't know that there's a problem with it. Even today, we're, Matthew and I um, are Southern Baptists. When Southern Baptists start a church in another country, they aren't Southern Baptist churches. Uh, they're, they form their own associations in their own country and things like that. Once there's enough of them uh, to get to that point. I don't think that that's even something that people even are concerned about. So there are denominations like that, where it's just a matter of these are the traditions we've handed down for ages from our, from Europe. So the more serious divisions that we're thinking about, think back to the 19th and early 20th century with the modernist fundamentalist debate. There was a division then, but it was conservative, not politically conservative necessarily, but theologically conservative, Bible-believing Christians separating from their denominations, which, have, which embraced modernity and its ideas and, and became liberal Christianity. So there was a division then. So, for example, the Northern Baptists basically all became modernists. The Southern Baptist, while there was, you know, there were some modernists in the Southern Baptist Convention. Eventually, in the seventies, the conservatives took over the convention, and so there were some people, many people, who left the Northern Baptist Convention and formed another fellowship or or group, other Baptist groups, and they they would leave the liberal seminaries and form their own seminaries. So. There's a lot of Bible colleges and seminaries that were founded in the early 20th century because they were departing from these liberal seminaries and the universities who were founded by Baptist universities who were founded by Baptists to train ministers, and they went liberal. And so they started Bible colleges in order to continue to train ministers rather than train ministers in a in a hostile environment at these universities. And in the seminaries, same thing happened. And the churches were separating at that time as well. To me, that's a good division. The division is a result of sin, but it's not the result of the sin of those who believe the Bible. It's the result of people who, in the denominations, that denied the Bible and basically began, because as Jay Greshamation argues liberal Christianity is not Christianity. It's another religion entirely. Or modernist Christianity is another religion entirely. So w- there was a separation there. That is a positive thing. The new groups that formed because of that. It's negative in the sense that there's a, there was a division and it lo- looks bad to the world. The world may not necessarily understand ungodliness that was going on in these liberal seminaries, but it was a necessary thing. So this is one area of division, the modernist fundamentalist debate. For example, the largest Presbyterian denomination in the United States is PCUSA, Presbyterian Church in the United States of America. They embraced modernism, liberalism, and that doesn't mean all the churches that belong to them are liberal or modernist. But by and large, they are. Other Presbyterian denominations were formed, like PCA, the Presbyterian Church in America, the OPC, the Orthodox Presbyterian Church. They formed these groups because of the liberalism that was in in the larger denomination. Does that all that make sense, Matthew? It does. Do I need to straighten anything out?
1: I do not think you do.
0: The issues there with this... Were major Christian doctrines that if you deny them, you cease to be Christian, and that's what was going on. The same in the Reformation. Now we're not go back and rehash all that, but the the gospel was at stake in the Reformation, and so that's why the division was necessary. Okay, sometimes it rises to that level. The denominations today that we would feel like we could to some degree have fellowship in the Lord with don't normally rise to that level. So I don't think it's an issue. The first two that we talked about, ethnic denominations aren't a problem to me, unless they're exclusivist, but I don't know of any that are. And then the denominations that were broken up because of the modernist controversy, I don't see any way, any problem with those things, okay? Now we got the problem between... Bible-believing churches, right? (laughs) So we got Baptist, Baptist Presbyterians, Methodists, Anglicans, non-denominational people. We agree with the Bible, but there are certain doctrines that that we have different interpretations of, okay? And so we go, we worship in separate places uh, because (laughs) if we were to stay in the same organization, it would be a constant fight. Remember what I read at the beginning, the apostle Paul castigates the church because they were they were divided and he said some of you are saying that I follow Paul or I follow Apollos or I follow Cephas or I follow Christ. Sometimes people say seem to be saying to get rid of the denominational problem, we just get rid of all the names and just call ourselves Christians. That's not really what Paul is telling these people. And that's not what We need to do today. The labels themselves aren't the problem. The problem is that we don't agree. And Paul says in verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. The problem isn't just that we have different names and we belong to different groups. The problem is there is a fundamental division when it comes to certain doctrines. And the answer isn't to say we well we belong to such and such non-denominational church and we accept everybody. One person in particular that I had this discussion in instead of calling his group a denomination, he calls it a movement. That's just semantics. Right. <laughs> it's still a denomination. What whether you want to And the division is there even if you want to call it a movement, because there are things that he believes that the Bible teaches that I disagree with him on. So the division is still there, and we don't remove the division just by taking away the names or pretending being non-denominational. Non-denominational people have certain beliefs, and everyone, even if they don't have a creed that's written out and explained there is a tacit or an unspoken creed they don't they may say on their website that everyone who's a born again believer in Jesus Christ is welcome but there there are people that if they believe certain things or live a certain way they'll say no we can't go there everyone has has a way of determining who's in and who's out even if they have an unwritten creed, and I'd say an unwritten creed is more dangerous than a written creed. Right. Then the pastor or the person with the most charisma is the one who determines the doctrine and direction of the church, not not the creed or the confession. I think that's a bigger problem. <laughs> so, anyways, one, what I'm what I'm saying here is that. Calling ourselves non-denominational, pretending the divisions don't exist, is not the answer to the division, right? Right. right. So I, I don't think the answer to the divisions is acknowledging where we are at, and working together to understand one another, and to love one another, knowing that we're fellow believers in Christ. It's not to say, we're Baptists and we're against all the Presbyterians and Lutherans, or... Or to think Baptists are the only ones going to heaven, or vice versa with other groups, right? The answer is to to dialogue and talk with one another, and by God's grace, come to understand the scriptures better, so that we think the same thing, and we agree, not just belong to the same denomination, not just belong to the same organization. I'm sure I have to clarify things, Matthew, so <laughs>
1: I think when we, when we talk about denominations, so we've talked about nation, national church that leads to a rise in, in a set of denominations. You, you, re, you talk about broadly speaking, we can classify it as sin that leads to a denominational creation. Then you talked about, we talked about theological differences. Then I think the fourth category we haven't talked about yet is, I guess the simplest way to talk about them is, they're stylistically, the stylistical differences. So just broadly (laughs) speaking, high church. So in other words, if you go to an Anglican or an Anglican church service, it's very high church, with very structured with a liturgy. And this is the way we do things, and it happens every week, versus you can go to— Versus
0: a church that looks like a rave.
1: Right. All the way down to that, and there's everything in between. And so— you have people who, as we talked about before, has like we believe in the regulative principle of worship. There's other churches that completely would disown even <laughs> thinking of that. And so you have these stylistic stylistic questions that leads to different answers. So those are I think broadly speaking, the way you can categorize denominations into four groups. Now the other caveat to talk about is when we're talking about denominations. We're not talking about Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and those kind of things. Because those aren't denominations because they hold to what we would what we would classify as false doctrine. They they, they hold to bad theology. In the same way, we're not talking about Muslims or Judaism or Buddhists, because <laughs> those are that's another religion. So right, when we right, talk about right, denominations, right. we're simply speaking of Christian denominations, or to say it I think succinctly, those that would hold to the five solos, whether they would agree that they hold to the five solos or not, they still fundamentally hold to the five solos in
0: some way, shape, fashion or form. Right. So that's I'm glad that you mentioned Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons would fit into that. Right. I don't know if you said that or no, not. Yeah, yeah, those yeah, those are the anyway, two I think. Right. Right. Because we all know what organizationally and individually that not everybody who claims to be a Christian is a Christian. Right. Right. Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses want want to claim those things but just because they claim it it doesn't mean it's true just as just because somebody says they believe in Jesus doesn't mean that they really are a Christian there's there's more to it than that I don't want to go too far down that rabbit trail but the point is 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 you have to be discerning to know so we're not no one accepts the Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons as a Christian group except for liberal churches that accept everybody. <laughs> yeah, Roman Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, Protestants don't accept these groups as Christian. They're Christian in the sense that they use the Bible and they talk about Jesus, but they deny fundamental truths of the Christian faith and are no longer and aren't considered by these groups Christian. They're they're cults. Um, and we don't use that as a bad word. Like, <laughs> I actually talked to someone who was a member of one of these cults. And she asked me, why do we call them cults? Because, and she says, we're nice, normal people. And it's because she thinks of cults as those weirdos that follow Jim Jones or somebody. It, but the people that follow Jim Jones, probably normal people too. So right? It's it's not like you got, pointy ears, and you don't look like the guy that led the people to kill themselves for the hale comet. Yeah. So just because you don't, it that's not what we mean when we say cult. We say cult has to do with that you denied fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith, things, so anyways, we don't, we're not trying to say they're weird people or anything. Right. But that's not who we're talking about, for sure.
1: Right. Before you go on, I just I saw one thing. There's one other way when we do classifications, there's one other category. Hopefully I'm not stepping on anything that you going to talk about later. The one last thing I would say, the reason why you have denominations is because you have people, you have individuals who are seeking power grabs. Yeah. So as an example, you have an entire, if you go back through Anabaptist, I forget exactly where it is, but you literally have a group that's separated because of beards and buttons because you had one group that said it was sinful to have shiny buttons and so they started their own thing because so when you that's when you get into like you've got to be kidding me land
0: right and and those are they they're over trivial things right and to separate over trivial things is is a big sin right <laughs> yeah because I it, mean, it's like the First Baptist Church, and then the Second Baptist Church started because they didn't like the color of the carpet in the First Baptist Church,
1: right, which leads to where we were where you were headed before we kind of back i backed us up a little okay. bit, which is I think the struggle we have is there are good reasons for us to separate, which we talked about before, which is one of the things I think is the episode we did on theological triage is really important to understand this it right. fits in, but Ultimately, we should be striving for unity. I heard somebody say it like this, no two humans on earth agree on everything. And so to think that the church is going to agree on everything isn't going to happen. But that doesn't mean we're not striving to be unified. And I think one of the disservice that denominations do to the world around us is they limit the ability for the world to see that we're actually unified around a general belief structure that of who God is and what God has said and what and the gospel.
0: That's why groups like the gospel coalition together for the gospel. There's arguing over these groups, but that's why they're important Yeah, because they do show where there's, where there's unity. These are interdenominational groups, Ligonier ministries, even though R.C. Sproul, who founded it, was Presbyterian, they have Baptists speak all the time. There is unity, maybe not organizational unity, right. but there is a unity that rises above that. Even though we disagree about the covenants and infant baptism with our Presbyterian brothers, there we have a unity with them. It's not. It's not just them. Not just Presbyterians. But I, I when I lived in Michigan, I was good friends with the Lutheran pastor. We had several very good conversations, and it just brought joy to my heart to know that there's Lutheran pastors who believe the Bible just as strongly as I do. Now he we have some differences, obviously. There's a reason he's a Lutheran, and there's a reason I'm a Baptist. But that it hindered our fellowship organizationally. But it didn't hinder our friendship, our friendship. We could still be good friends. And we discussed the issues that we disagreed with each other on. And those things are helpful that those discussions that we have help us to better understand one another and hopefully better understand Scripture and and will ultimately bring more unity with us. The problem is, is that sometimes denominations become tribes. I know there were, sev- being a Southern Baptist, there are some churches that think that if you order Sunday school curriculum from any other place than Lifeway, that is just terrible because that's Lifeway, it's our Sunday school curriculum. <laughs> and there were people who pushed against Iwana because it's not from Nashville. That kind of attitude is not a good at atti- a good attitude. There's a thing for loyalty, and that's okay. But I think this was beyond right. just loyalty to your your particular group. It was implying that other people just aren't quite as good as we are.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the downside of denominations is when you create this mantra in your mind that you and you alone whatever domination you are that you are the arbiter or the holder of everything that is true and no one else rises to that level and so you look down at anyone else because they don't believe exactly what you believe and we lose sight of the fact of that passage you read in first corinthians beginning first corinthians 1 you go to ephesians 4 and you constantly see paul's constantly talking through the new testament about how the church is supposed to be unified i just keep thinking about ephesians 4 where there's that creed one lord one faith one baptism one father of all until we all come to the unity of the faith and i think that's that's the goal but we understand that while we're here that becomes a struggle and so there are legitimate reasons why that can't occur, but the challenge for us is, is that we make sure that the reasons why are the legitimate reasons and not the trivial ones and not, or not the prideful, arrogant ones.
0: Right. And it's, the reason I say that is to separate from another group or person who calls themselves a Christian, biblically we're required to do it if someone denies the faith by their doctrine or by their life. Right. But if you're separating from them over buttons and beards, those things are trivial, and you're severing the body of Christ over something trivial, that is a huge sin. Right. It, it may be sinful to separate for um, over baptism and things like that. Um, it, is, it is sinful, because either our Presbyterian and Lutheran friends are right, or we're right, and one of us is sinning in that case. We just have to keep going back to scripture to find out who's right. And one day we will. But until then, we're, (laughs) we, we've either, we're either going to baptize babies or we're not. That's, you're going to have to make that decision as a church and you, you can't do both. And so anyways, and if you want to, the other thing is, I'm getting a little off topic, but the other thing is if you believe your beliefs, are biblical and worth being handed down it's important to have institutions that will continue to hand that down so it's not so the thing about it is in a baptist church we could decide yes we'll accept someone who's been baptized as an infant and they'll become a member of our church and that's okay and that will accept people who believe in in Infant baptism, as long as they don't teach it. The problem is, what if the church gets to the point where there's more people who believe in infant baptism than people that don't? Then you, you're saying this is biblical, this is valuable, you, and you're losing, you're going to lose that. If you believe it's biblical and valuable and worthy to be handed down to the next generation and next, you have to guard that and the same for our presbyterian and lutheran friends who baptize infants if if they don't guard that it's going to be lost and if you believe it's biblical then you're going to want to guard it and keep it so that the next generation will be faithfully taught and that's that's another aspect of the institution and and guarding it and being careful How open you are about things. So I think that's a consideration as well. Back to how you were talking about, how we were talking about denominations becoming tribal. It's not just denominations that do that either. This is true. People who are non denominational can become rather self righteous about their non denominationalism. Right. And that they're open and accepting of everybody and anybody who isn't, isn't doing is is therefore sinning against God and they're superior. They you can also get a tribal attitude about your non-denominationalism. <laughs> so it's not as if the only ones who're susceptible to this are people who aren't who are part of a denomination, but even people who are non-denominational can have that issue as well. And again, what we're trying to say is that it it's you can't just take the name off the door. You can't just play semantic games and say, well, we belong to Christ because there is disagreement and, and just taking the name off the door may paper over the disagreement. But what we're wanting to, what we believe is that there is disagreement. Yes. And what we, what we believe, we think is worthy of being handed down to the next generation. And so it's worthy to be guarded and kept. And and we intend to do that, but at the same time be open to other brothers in Christ and having conversations and working through the Bible together to come to greater understandings. I love these groups like together for the gospel, gospel coalition, alliance for confessing evangelicals. These groups should encourage that and encourage our striving together in unity. There may be other issues with these groups that you have a problem with, but the good thing about it is, is it, it does provide uh, some unity and a space for us to discuss these issues and not just sit in our echo chambers and, and preach to ourselves all the time. And uh, in an upcoming episode, we will have one of those baby-baptizing Presbyterians on with us. <laughs> right. I, just to show you it's not all talk. Right.
1: I keep thinking about the that this quote that's attributed to Augustine that says it's not from him but i know it's not from him it's it's attributed to him but it's not really from him but the quote still has validity to it which is that in essentials unity and non-essentials liberty in all things love and i think those those wisdom in that in that we need to make sure that we're striving to hold to that which is essential that which is true and the things that are not that they're not true, but things that are less important, less nest, not needed to hold to the gospel, to provide liberty. But ultimately, we should do all of that in an attitude of love. And I think that love will reduce or eliminate rather the tribalism, the, the superiority feelings that can sometimes be attached to denominationalism and instead ultimately help the church universal Strive for its ultimate mission, which is the advancement of the kingdom. I think Satan is much happier when we're so busy fighting with ourselves, trying to say we're better than you are, than instead of seeking to advance the kingdom and proclaim the gospel that we know is the only solution to the problem that the world faces.
0: Right. And what you're ultimately saying is there's, there is a unity that transcends the organization. Correct. And, we ought to rejoice in that and and encourage that without necessarily getting rid of the organizations.
1: Right. Right. So, as we close today, we'll leave you with the words of Paul, who says in Ephesians 4, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ. This is is the mission. We thank you for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, a podcast ministry of Two Rivers Community Church. For more information about Two Rivers, you can find it on our website at www.tworiverscc.org. We look forward to your questions, your comments, and dreaded or hopeful hate mail at ordinaryfellowship at gmail.com. Please follow us on Facebook at Ordinary Fellowship and like, subscribe, and rate this podcast on whatever service you listen to us on. But for now, we thank you once again for listening to this episode of Ordinary Fellowship, where we're striving to have spiritual conversations for practical Christian living.